All right, so sibling relationships. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. So as appropriate, I thought that picture was like the best because that's how many of us probably feel about our sibling relationships. So we must go to the Bible and hear what the Bible has to say on Genesis chapter 4. All right, so Genesis chapter 4. Who are we introduced to in Genesis chapter 4? Yes, Cain and Abel. So obviously that relationship went swimmingly. Yes. Smooth, no problems whatsoever, just resulted in murder. Okay, so we're going to talk a little oh, bit thought, about that. Oh, I thought we were talking about, you know, Adam and Eve with the giant serpent that we wished we squashed under our foot. So no, we, we already got... talked about them. Now we're talking about the siblings that came as a result of the fall. Okay. Yeah, it was an accident. All right, so sibling relationships. All right, so before we go any farther, I do want to show you this because we've been talking about this every week. Somebody explain this picture to me. Why are we using this model? Why are we using this picture? Go for it. Yes. Exactly. Good. What else? What else about the triangle? Anybody want to expound upon that? Add some stuff to it. Because there's three sides, and the Bible loves the number three. The the Bible loves the number three. How about God loves the number three and He put it in His book? How about that? Okay. All right. All right. What else? Come on. Anyone want to add on to Emily what she said? Anything? Well, uh, it is kind of off top off topic. I don't think I want to have children because they seem like too much of a hassle. Yeah, that's that's off topic. All right. All right. Hey, God may change your heart later. We'll find out. You got to find a girl first, though. All right. That's not a dig. It's just simple relationship facts. I mean, just fact, man. Dude, come on. I'm not trying to be. Yes. And and we talked a little bit about this, but okay. In order to have good relationships here with other people, why is this so important? So, like, if you were to go to somebody and say, you know, I'm just really having a hard time with relationships, or you know, or you're going to someone that you, that's a friend of yours saying, well, you know, you really need to walk with God because, you know, the closer you get to God, the better your relationships are going to be. How can you confidently make that statement? Like, give me the reason behind that. Yeah. Okay, why? Why do you got to be walking with God first? If your relationship with God isn't good, then it's going to be a lot harder to make relationships with people. Okay, why? <laughs> because of like, sin and evilness in your soul. Okay, that's really broad. Let's <laughs> narrow it down a little bit here. I mean, the train's moving, you know, and that's good. I like that. Yeah. Okay, well, if you don't have God, then, you know, you're going to be doing your own thing. But if you have God, then you're going to be acting more like him. And if you're acting more like him, then you have the love of God. And if you have the love of God, then you have the love of other people. And the love of other people means that you're going to have better relationships and you're going to care about other people. Very good. And a good verse for that would be? Yes, for God to love the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but everlasting life. What's another one? Um, well, uh, here's something, uh, well, if you have a relationship with someone, you could try to get, 
Dome is a God's relationship. Yeah. And even though it may be hard, if you if you, if you have if you do it at the right time, and if you and if you have enough patience, you two can walk together with God, and you can help other people people help their other friends become true Christians or other people. It's as um, simple as that. All it takes is hard work, determination, and patience. Okay. I would, the first part, what you said. Let's let's run with that real quick. Okay. Okay. So he said, get this other person to walk with God. Okay. Now, what happens if this friendship, this person that you want to date, this whatever, whoever this person is, let's say, okay, you want to have a good relationship with God, but this person refuses. Now, what choice do you have? Because what's going to happen? You're going to grow apart. You're going to grow apart, or. They're going to drag you down. Or you're going to grow apart. So it's one or the other. You can't have both. It doesn't work. Either you're going to grow closer with that person and compromise in your relationship with God, or you're going to grow farther apart from this person and grow closer to God. There's no neutral territory. I'm telling you, this is how it works out. I've had plenty of friendships, relationships, even dating relationships where I've mishandled this stuff. And this is what I've learned. This is also what the Bible talks about. Remember our verse in Amos 3.3? Can two walk together except they be agreed? No, you can't. Unless you're walking with that other person, you can't walk together. Now, there might be times where you can walk together, but there comes a point where either you or that person gets off the path and to do whatever they want. So if you're on the path to love God, obey God, do the Lord's will, fulfill that purpose that he made you for in your life, and then you try to join yourself with another person, unless they're walking with you on that same path, your relationship is not going to work out. At some point, it's going to come to an end or it's going to be limited. And that's okay. I've had plenty of friends that, uh, that have been lost, that, you know, they were my friends, but we had, there's, it only went so far. There was only certain things that we had in common. And that's why even in school, you know, I had a general rule that I was not going to date lost people. And so the reason why I made that rule is because that's what the Bible says. It's very clear. But I wasn't going to do that because how can I join my life with another person if we have completely different values? It's just not going to work out. So we'll talk more about that when we get to dating. All right, let's go talk about let's talk about siblings here real quick. So that's just kind of the premise behind it. And by the way, another good verse about having the heart of God is Second Peter three nine: that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's another really good verse for that. Okay, so I want you to think about these verses. We're going to come back to these two verses at the end. Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18.24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, in both of those two verses, think about that. A brother is born for adversity, and it's kind of in comparison to a friend loveth at all times. We'll talk about that at the end. And then lastly, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we're going to talk about those two things. Okay, so first of all, Let's talk about Cain and Abel. Let's read oh this paragraph. And let's talk about Cain and Abel. All right. So, like opening paragraph. After being introduced to the husband and wife relationship, the next relationship that we get acquainted with is, or should be, siblings and other immediate family members. The family unit is where many firsts occur. Unconditional and conditional love, trust, safety, pain, anger, vengeance, encouragement, comfort, support, Fighting, deceit, selfishness, selflessness, serving, submission, rebelliousness, tears, heartbreak, joy, laughter, success, failure, discipline, jealousy, conflict, conflict resolution, etc. 
The family unit, unit headed up by the husband and wife is the most influential place in a person's life to shape them into the man or woman that they will be for the rest of their life. That is huge and that is so true. Therefore, it should come of no surprise that the family unit is one of the main targets for the enemy of God. It is. I mean, think about it. Think about your own upbringing, whether it's been good or whether it's been flawed. The person that you are is shaped by your environment. Now, the good news is, is no matter what your environment, you can be redeemed out of that. So just because you grew up in an environment that was less healthy than others does not mean that you have to carry that forward into your future. I mean, the Bible is very, very clear about that. I mean, even Jesus, you know, we find out in his home life, and it may not have been the best, but you had Joseph and you had Mary and they love God and they serve God. But you find out later that Joseph's not around. We don't know what happened to him. A lot of people just assume that he died because he seemed to be a very faithful man. But the Bible doesn't say what happened to him. All we know is that he's not in the picture when Jesus is older. And now Jesus is the head of the family because he was the firstborn. And now he has to take care of his siblings and his mom. So just think about that for a moment. Even Jesus grew up in a home that was not the most ideal. Okay? So think about that. That can be very encouraging to some of you. Okay. So when it comes to Cain and Abel, we don't have time to go through all of the details of Cain and Abel. So we're just going to briefly hit some highlights of this. And that's why I included some of the notes on here. So I want you to see this. In verse 1 and 2, read verse 1 and 2. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so here it says, based on the way this is all worded, or it says in verse 2, and she again bare his brother. This leads us to believe that they, these are not two separate births at two different times. This was the same birth. So it was quite likely that they were fraternal twins. Um, and there's some other evidence that I could show you uh, on that. But she was pregnant, and she believed that this was the man that God had promised back in Genesis 3, verse 16, or verse 15 and 16, about promising a Messiah. So she had believed that this man was going to be the one to redeem mankind from sin. She had gotten a man from the Lord. That's what she said. But then it says, and she again buried his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So they grew up together. They were fraternal twins and grew up together. And one kept the sheep, and the other one was into uh, taking care of the ground and gardening. And then it says in verse 3, And in the process of the time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So, what do you find out from these two things? What are the differences between, between those two boys and the offerings that they gave? Yeah. Cain, it, like, represented his works because he worked, like, to grow. And then um, Abel, he sacrificed, like, a spotless lamb. Yeah. Now, why was it important when it came to God accepting Abel's over Cain's? Like, why did God accept Abel's? How did he know that that was the right offering to bring? Okay, and how do we know that? Do you know you know the answer on that one? Because that was required, but how do we know that? Probably told Adam. Well, just say in the Bible, because the Bible's our authority, so we got to make sure that we nail this down. I did not. Yep. 
Okay. And covering them with like the lambs, like whatever coat. Okay. Good. Do we have a verse for it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be in the Bible. We say we believe the Bible, that the Bible is our final authority, so let's make sure that we back this up. Darn it. we got to make sure that we do this. This is very important, which, by the way, just as a side note, guys, whenever it comes to statements that you guys make for what you believe, it's very important that it's not just your opinion, okay? When you make a statement about, I believe that, boom, whatever it is, you should have at least one to two verses in mind that you could go to in your Bible to prove what you believe is actually true. All right, I don't know whose hand was first. 321. Okay, 321. Take a look at it. Genesis 3, verse 21. Leah, Leah go ahead and read that one. Adam also his wife, the Lord God okay, so they sinned and they made themselves what? Leaf. Fig leaves. Where it says in, where is that at? Okay, good. So fig leaves, so the eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And so obviously, God shows up, and he's talking with them, and that's not acceptable. So he says, remove the fig leaves, I've made garments for you. And he made clothes of skins for them. Now what's interesting is if you look up Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-six, you can look that up later. Someone look it up now. Anyone? Take a volunteer. Go ahead. No, you can take it. Proverbs 27, 26. Proverbs 27, 26 tells you exactly what animal those skins came from so proverbs 27 26 no whenever you get there just read it the lambs are for, the, for thy clothing and the goats are the price okay so lambs lambs are for thy clothing lambs lamb skins so that's what god did so the very first sacrifice that occurs in the bible is jesus which we know this is him walking because anytime you see and it says it very specifically in genesis chapter 3 the voice of the lord god walking okay I mean, think about that. How can a voice walk? The voice has to be in a body, right? And that body then walks as he's talking. Very simple. Bible's very logical, okay? So the voice of the Lord God walking. So he is the one that says, hey, that's not acceptable. He takes a lamb, sacrifices that lamb, and gives that for their clothing. So the very first thing that they see as atonement for their sin to be right with God, even though things were different, was a lamb being sacrificed. And so you better believe when they offered sacrifices unto God of thankfulness, what would you offer? I mean, to cover my sin and say, God, I just want to do this because I'm thankful for what you've done for me. I know I deserve to die because of my sin. But as just an offering of thankfulness unto you for what you've done for me, here I offer this. Would you offer fruits and vegetables? No, I would offer what he offered because that's actually what covered my sin, right? It makes sense. Okay, so all this unfolds. Now Cain is ticked at Abel because God, God didn't accept my offering when he accepted yours. Okay, sibling rivalry right there at its root because of sin. And so now he becomes very mad at his brother. In verse 5, it says that, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? And then here's what God says, and I love this, because God gives room to people to repent and to get right with him. I mean, Cain offered the wrong offering. He offended God by offering something that God did not want. And now God shows up and says, why are you upset? Why are you mad? You know, don't you know that if you do well, verse seven, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So right there, God gives him a clear invitation 
don't be mad. Do what's right. And see, that's always been God's invitation. See, people have this picture of God that he is this wrathful, you know, unfair, unjust God that just has this giant hammer waiting to smash people whenever they cross in the wrong way. That is not the God of the Bible. He always gives room. Always gives room. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and God has given the nation of Israel, I mean, (laughs) so much room to repent. And what did they refuse to do? They refused to repent. And God told them over and over and over and over, listen, if you don't change your ways, bad stuff's coming. If you don't repent and get right with me, I have to judge you. And then what happened? They didn't repent. They didn't get right. And then God had to judge them. See, God does not want to judge us. He does not want to judge mankind in his wrath. Oh, um, what's actually repent mean? Repent means to turn. Literally, it means to have a change of mind. So, like, for example, if I did something wrong against you, I could do one of two things. I could either fight and say, I'm right, you're wrong. Or I could repent and say, you know what? That was wrong. I, you know what? I apologize. I wronged you. It's having a change of mind, a change of heart. So, just, so you just want to go back and so you turn into a good guy. Kind of. You change your mind about who you are before God and you repent. And you apologize and apologize. ask for forgiveness. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, good. All right. So you got Cain and Abel here, all right? So this time came where they were going to offer that sacrifice, and Cain is actually full of hatred, and that's where he ends up killing his brother. And so the very first death that takes place in the Bible, a physical death, was murder, and it was unnatural. And, uh, and that's obviously something that the devil absolutely loved. Uh, because God was trying to work um, an amazing plan through them, and Cain ended up killing his brother Abel. And so this whole story, and the reason why I wanted to share this one, just to start off, this whole story is a foreshadowing. This is on your guys' study sheet. This is the last point under Cain and Abel. This whole story is a foreshadowing of man's attempt to justify himself before God by his own hands and the destructive sin nature as it operates within the family unit. Like, there's, it's not a coincidence that some of the most brutal fights you have are with your siblings. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, this has been the pattern from the very beginning. It was so brutal between Cain and Abel that one murdered the other. And there are times in your sibling relationships where I'm sure you want to kill each other. And you may have actually uttered those words, I'm going to kill you! Anybody say that to your brother or sister? Okay. <laughs> Every day? No. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems a bit, so, that seems a bit too much. <laughs> this is very important for us to get. Because here's the deal, and I want you guys to really understand this, okay? In my, in my house growing up, when it came to my sisters that were older than me, we had a lot of conflict, a lot of conflict. And it wasn't until we got older that we actually started being friends together. And there's something to say about that. Because when you're young and dumb, there's some immaturity that's involved in your relationships. But as you get older and you understand more about life and you understand more about the family dynamic and the ups and downs of everything, and you're able to reason together better, you, be, can, be, you can become very good friends. And so like even today, even though I don't spend a whole lot of time talking to my sisters, I should be talking to them more than what I do, frankly, because they both live out of state. One's in Montana, and the other one's in North Carolina. I know that I can call my sisters at any point in time, and they will pray for me, and they will help me at any point in time. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very, very thankful for that. But if you can resolve conflicts within your own home with your siblings... You can resolve almost anything with anybody else. So if you avoid conflicts in your family with your siblings, then chances are you're going to avoid conflicts with other people too. So just think about that. Those are some really good life lessons to think about. 
All right, we don't have time to talk about much of the rest, but let's just hit these and go through some of these details. You can look up some of these passages later. All right, Jacob's son. So Jacob had 12 boys. And so here's the backstory with Jacob. Jacob, there you go. There's Joseph strutting his stuff. All right. So Jacob, Jacob's whole life has been a controversy, deceitfully receiving the firstborn's blessing and inheritance instead of his brother. So even from the very beginning, his whole life was full of controversy and a lot of infighting with his brother. Jacob's marriage to Rachel was controversial, being tricked to marry Leah, her sister, first. And so you can imagine some of the infighting because not only, you know, was he tricked into marrying one sister over the other, but now within his own household, he has two sisters that are then competing against each other about who is, who's been more fruitful and who God is a blessing because she's able to have a son and the other one isn't. You can learn a lot of stuff from that story. Uh, yeah. Oh, you mean the, you mean the kid who became Pharaoh's, who became Pharaoh's assistant? Yes, that's where we're getting, we're yes. getting to that next part. All right, and then we talk about Leah and Rachel. They had a bitter competition between themselves while bearing sons to Jacob. It's almost ridiculous when you read it. We're like, oh my word, so petty. But then you got Joseph, son eleven out of twelve, was despised. God bless that. Um, that's right. You're good. Joseph, son eleven out of twelve, was despised and conspired against by his brethren. And their hatred for him impacted his whole life. Joseph maintained a good and godly attitude in the midst of, of his terrible circumstances. And the Lord blessed him greatly, so greatly, that he ended up being the savior of his own family in the whole known world. Now, I want you to think about that. Because there are times, probably within your family, that you might feel like you're being mistreated or not understood by your other siblings or maybe even by your parents. But if you have a good heart attitude towards God and you do what's right in his eyes... You could end up saving your family. I mean, just think about that. That's huge. That's massive. All right, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So these siblings belong to a family that loved the Lord, and they were very close to Jesus as they uh, spent time with him. And you can read about that in the Gospels. Lazarus was dearly beloved by his sisters and by Jesus. Martha was the servant and the worker, while Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus did not rebuke Martha until Martha says something about it to Jesus. So that's a good thing for uh, tattletaling, by the way. Tattletelling is this is the proper way to say it. Mary is the one that anointed Jesus' feet with ointment and wiped them with her hair. And she was known among the religious as a sinner. And you can read about her testimony. Uh, but she was someone who just went out and she probably slept with many, many men. And there came a point where she got her life right with the Lord. And you can see all about her testimony. And she actually ended up loving the Lord more than most people because of how much God forgave her. So it's really, really cool. And you can read about their relationship together. It was very, very sweet, their relationship one with another. And then you got James and John. And these brothers were disciples. They worked together. They were called to follow Jesus as part of the 12 disciples. They were called the Sons of Thunder, which is like an awesome name to have. Can you imagine being brothers? Yes, maybe we should call you guys. Noah, Sam, Sons of Thunder. Okay. All right. <laughs> there you go. We can do that too. We can have a competition. Peaches. <laughs> Peaches and Gavin. All right. Peaches and Sons of Thunder and then the fruit basket. Is that what you're saying? All right. Okay. All right. All right. Let's continue before we get derailed anymore. All right, so they were two, think about this, James and John were two of the three closest to Jesus, but John was the closest of them all, and we don't know if that caused any conflict or not, we just, we don't really read of that at all, but we know that John was closer to Jesus than them all, but James and John were part of the inner three, so it was Peter, James, and John that spent the most time with Jesus. 
And then lastly, they were faithful unto Christ. James was martyred for the Lord's name. And John was the only one not killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being James and John? Where John, you know, you're, you're going along, you're serving with your brother. And then all of a sudden in the book of Acts, your brother is now killed for following Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being in that situation? And then John, who was the closest to Jesus, then sees the rest, all, all the other disciples. They end up dying. And he's the only one standing that's left. I mean, these things would have impacted him for a long, long time. So here's the whole point, And this is what I want to share with you guys about this. We're going back to these two verses I shared at the very beginning. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, I love this verse for a couple of reasons. One, we're going to talk about friends next week. Friend love at all times. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that is true. We can get a lot of acceptance from our friends, a lot of support from our friends. But I'm telling you, the times that have been the hardest in my life has been when my family has been the one to support me. I remember when I was 19 years old and when we left um, our previous church, and it was a very, very hard time for me. Um, and I had mentioned to you that really I only had two friends that stuck with me. One was Andy, Andy Spade, Jamie's husband. And the other one was Jared Slayball. And ironically, this past week I ran into Jared. He bought something from me off of Facebook Marketplace. How about that? He had no idea it was me until he saw me. Anyway, but I ran into him and it just reminded me of that, about how, you know, these guys were very close friends and they did love at all times. Like even at the lowest point in my life, they, they loved me. But when it came to the inner workings of our family and the difficulties that we went through together, we really suffered some adversity together. And we really needed each other to get through that time together. So that's very, very important. But on the flip side, a man that, sh- that hath friends must show himself friendly, Proverbs 18.24. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now these are not contradictory. Because I know some of you have home environments where you're not like-minded with your parents, with your siblings. And it can be very, very difficult. Because you want to follow God but yet the people around you may not want to. And in that regard, there are friends that sticks closer than a brother, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that is Jesus Christ. No matter what you're going through, even though he's not bodily present with you, his spirit is with you. If you're born again, the Bible says that his spirit is inside of you, helping you every step of the way to deal with everything that's going on in your life, and he will never leave you or forsake you, and he will help you bear any weight that you go through. And there are people that are like-minded with you, especially if you're part of this group or this body, that can help you through some of those very, very difficult times. So if you happen to not be in a situation where you have a brother or a sister that you could really go through when it comes to your adversity, there is another verse that really helps you out when it comes to Jesus Christ being that friend that sticks closer than a brother and when it comes to your family of believers here at the church too. So I wanted to share that with you guys. So very important things to consider. So how are your relationships when it comes to your siblings? And for those of you that are only child, only children, sorry. <laughs> no, all this applies to you when it comes to the stuff that you guys are going through. So however God's working in your life, I pray that you'd be obedient to this. Next week, we're going to be talking about friendships and what the Bible says about friendships. And we're going to see a couple different examples of friendships in the Bible and about different things to consider, uh, points of wisdom as you manage your friendships that you do have that tend to ebb and flow through life. And then after that, the the following week, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficulties in relationships. So every relationship has difficulty, but how do you deal with it the right way? So that's what's coming. And then we're going to hit some dating stuff. So it should be fun. All right. Who wants to pray? Yeah, go. I have something to say before we pray. Okay, go ahead. something to pray for. Um, Heidi... 
uh, reached out to me at the beginning of tonight from Heidi um, is Pastor Brian's wife in Monterey and right now um, this is the second time since we've left that they're having this problem but right now most of Monterey is like underwater um, they said it's the worst that they've had since 2010 when Hurricane Alex went through but she said that um, Basically, Monterey is all underwater, um, and it's supposed to rain. It's supposed to continue till Sunday, and so she's asking for us to be praying for them. She said so far all church members are accounted for, but they're still expecting rain till Sunday, and I guess it's a mess. And um, Monterey, some the people that went, Monterey is a lot of the areas are very dirty, and the drains are awful. So when they get even a little bit of rain, there's nowhere for any of the water to go, except so it just floats around and it's very stagnant and it's gross. So they're hurting right now and they just had a horrible flood last week. So just be specifically praying for them. Okay. And we'll keep you posted if we hear anything, but yep. she asked. Okay. So. All right, so let's pray for that too. So whoever wants to pray to close it, pray for that too. Jack? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for uh, just everything that uh, everyone came out tonight. Uh, I pray that uh, you would just convict them in our, in our homes so we could just have biblical relations even with our siblings, uh, just with you know, things that apply to our, our families and the relationships that we're in. I just want to thank you for starting off the school year so well and pray that uh, all the adversity that everyone's going through right now, that we can just support one another. Uh, I pray for our church family in uh, Monterey and just the people of Monterey. They can get through this uh, disaster right now. Uh, 